Hello and welcome back to the Ebby Online podcast. This week I'm joined by Bettina Hauser, a human trafficking survivor. She's committed herself to providing knowledge and recovery programs, providing safe housing for victims and survivors of human trafficking, working with organisations to help combat it in the US. During this episode, Bettina shares her trafficking story and how she managed to escape that former life sugar daddy dating and the influencer life, ways to avoid becoming a victim, the different types of human slavery, as well as red flags and signs to look out for to avoid it, and how to help a potential victim if you come across one. Or victim of slavery. Victims of human trafficking are men, women, and children of all ages, ethnicities, and nationalities. Stats from the organisation Unseen showed that women and girls account for 99% of victims in the commercial sex industry and 58% in other sectors. It is also estimated that 40.3 million people worldwide are in modern slavery and 24.9 million are in forced labour, with an estimated 15.4 million people that are in forced marriages worldwide. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy. You're going to give a lot of important information. So I hope you've had a good Christmas and a good New Year's. You are my first guest back. Oh, I'm happy to hear that. I love your British accent. It's so good to hear. That is so crazy. I live in the United States and here everyone speaks American. Thank you. Um, I was going to ask you, how did you come to the, how did you come to America? Yeah, so I came to the States through, um, through human trafficking. That's how I ended up in Miami uh, from Hungary. That's where I was born. Oh, and you're, so are you Hungarian? Yes, yes, yes. That's amazing. So yeah. how old were you when you were, you were trafficked? Well, so it started out when I was 21 and I met the trafficker online. I had a friend and um, she introduced me to this guy who I had a Skype interview with. And then um, he told me what I needed to hear. And then I came here to Miami for like, obviously the opportunity of my life, you know, Um, which was a hostess job and, and, and a very luxury lifestyle, what he painted for me. Um, and Hungary is also like a very poor economic country, you know, so like a lot of people are struggling and so was I. Um, so then obviously I was very excited about the life what I'm going to have here until I got to the States and, and I landed in the airport and nothing looked like what he said, but by that time it was too late. Um, so from there on, like the whole, um, um, I was one of the 300 girls who was involved in this sex trafficking ring. And um, my experience were lasting about four years um, until and in, in, I came in in 2012 and I eventually ran away in 2016. Oh, wow. Can I ask you, because I know that traffickers, there's different types. You have labor, you have sex trafficking, um, yes, there I love your question. Yeah, because a lot of people are associating human trafficking with sex trafficking one on one, and that's it's not the same. So I love it that you mentioned this. So if you could explain the difference, because I feel like 
with the whole Jeff, I knew about trafficking. You know, like, and I say this so, so much, you know, like I have a YouTube channel too. And so many times I say that like, you know, when you get an opportunity, what's too good to be true, then probably it is. Yes. So if you have something in your gut telling you that, that this just doesn't sound right, then probably it is not right. You know, um, I have a therapist still as of today, and he's the most amazing person, you know, and he always explains how your, your emotions, they have, they know what's right and wrong. And sometimes your conscious mind is trying to convince them otherwise, but your emotions, they know what is the right path to follow. So you should be going down on that way. And that's, that's exactly, you know, how it looks like, because most of the time when they meet you for the first time, they have to see how you look like, you know, and then when, when I had the Skype interview before even I ended up in the States, you know, then these were like, these were exactly like sentences, you know, what the, what the traffickers said that, oh, you you are so beautiful. Oh, you have so much potential, you know, like I can emphasize your talent, you know, and these kind of things when like now looking back and, and hearing these sentences, I'm like, oh my God, this should have been a huge red flag, you know, but yeah. obviously I wasn't educated enough and I wasn't aware of the situation, what was going on. So what, what types of things did they say to you? So you landed and who picked you up and where were you taken when you were? Yeah, there, there was a driver who picked me up and then they took me this like very little motel um, in the side of the highway. And obviously, like, you know, I know that um, probably most of your listeners are from UK um, and whatever you can picture about Miami, you know, as like the glamorous lifestyle and everything and the beautiful downtown, the yachts, the bay, you know, I haven't seen any of that. So this was like me sitting in a car from the airport and then, and then going away somewhere like very far. So I haven't, I didn't really know Miami until like later on. So when, um, you, when you got to the hotel room, how did you, when did they tell you like you need to, what did they tell you you need to earn back your, your flights and your travel? What was... How was yeah, that was that was that was part of the deal because um, I haven't had the money to play, pay for my flight. So then the guy told me that he's going to pay for the flight and then I would just have to give it back um, to him whenever I start working. And um, they paid for the hotel and then they were like, oh, we're going to come pick you up tomorrow. Um, which they did. And then I, after I met this guy and then this guy was like, well, now you are here. So now these are the people who you will have to see. And, and, um, and then they told me sentences like Victoria's Secret models are doing the same thing that everyone does this behind closed doors, that these are, these are things what I was born to do. Um, Brainwashing. Exactly. But like, so heavy, you know, that like, there were like, there were, I be I would say that probably like about three years, I was so deeply convinced, you know, that that's all what I was meant to do in life. And that's like, I for me, it's the worst part, you know, because when you have nothing, you still have your mindset, you know, and yeah. then when your mindset, right, then you know, then you can fix things. And like now, obviously it's different because I'm like five, six years away, you know, so like now looking back, I can analyze how what what was I thinking and what was going down but during that time like I feel like woman is or I mean any human being you know we are just meant to do so much more in our life than just have sex with someone you know that's like horrible 
Mm. I, and especially, I, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, <laughs> sorry to butt in. I did read um, with my research that sex trafficking um, and human trafficking in general is far more like you can earn more money from doing that than selling drugs because a person can be sold over and over and over and 100%. over. 100%. Okay. So yeah. all different types. If I was going to ask you what type of person would be in charge of a human trafficking ring, I feel like it's the people you least expect. It's the person that's serving you in the chip shop that may have a hand in it. Um, um, yes and no. But yeah. Yeah, so... A couple of things what I was going to say to this idea, one of them is that uh, labor trafficking and sex trafficking is separate. People who are involved in labor trafficking is a lot larger number than sex trafficking itself. And, and when it comes to labor trafficking, then, then we talk about people mostly, a lot of them, for example, in construction or hospitality, you know, when yes. they are working without legal papers and they're not getting paid fairly, you know, but they don't have any opportunity to do because... In, in Miami, I see this on first hand. If someone came here crossing borders from Guatemala, you know, and they have 40 bucks per month to get paid for, for that person working 16 hours a day and still get a thousand bucks a month, it's a lot better than life living standards in their countries. Yeah. So, you know, that's a huge, I mean, I mean that's, I think maybe in that way, it's easier to understand about, about human trafficking as a whole. For people who are becoming traffickers, that's that's happening in a lot of ways. And I think one of them it's 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 countries with low education and 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 developing um eco economy, you know, because yeah. those people they like if you take for example Mexico or Colombia, you know, their their drug trafficking rate is so high. But if you go to the country, then you understand why, because someone someone you know, in their 12, 13 years old, you know, and they already start dealing with drugs because that's the only way for them to survive. It's yeah. no other way around. <laughs> no, I was just going to say that that when it comes, when it becomes to a trafficker, sometimes these people who are trafficking victims or survivors, they they almost want to find something, someone who can help them get into another country and establish a different life. So it's not so much the black and white and and mostly what i would like to emphasize here you know that so many people are associating human trafficking with being kidnapped and mm -hmm. that's rarely through two percent of the cases you know it doesn't happen like that it's mostly brainwashing you know mostly convincing them yes. more you know it's it's not it's not the movie taken everyone thinks that but it's really not yeah i think the movie taken although it is a really good watch um, it doesn't portray the truth because trafficking is classed as the transportation of 100%. Yeah. Human. And they usually tr try and get that person to make that journey themselves. And it's only when they've completed that transportation, then are they held against their will. Um, at the time when you were taken, did your family know? what was going on and were there any threats to your family? Because I've heard of stories where traffickers, if they do their research on you and they know who your family is, where they live, they will hold that against your head so you don't leave. Yes, that's true. Um, there were some threats against my family, although like now, years later, I don't think that these were true, you know, but 
one of the best best way to control someone you know it's through fear so the more they keep you in your fears you know and feed into them you know the more controllable you are you know so there there was a moment when when they took my passport you know and then they they would they would say things that that I know that I, I'm under surveillance and if I try to leave, they will find me. There were, they said things like, they know where my parents, my mom lives, you know, or something similar, which just leads down on that road. Um, but nothing ever happened to my family, thank God. Um, so I, I don't really think that that was, that was true. It was probably just like a lot more manipulation. Did you get to contact your, your family? when you were being held? I've talked, yes, I've talked to them. Um, although um, the other girls and I, we were very clearly instructed on, on things what we cannot say. And they said that, that they would listen to the phone and then the cops can listen to the phone so we cannot say certain things. How did you manage to mentally stay sane? How did you mentally cope? during those years with everything oh, that's going on to you? Everything. Yeah, I think I was a mess, to be honest. I mean, like now I can make fun of it, but this is not really funny because emotional, like at one point you become to this state, you know, when you're just numb, it's just one day after the other. And then you don't have your drive and none of this. And most, um, and obviously, you know, like this, this whole um, trafficking experience was associated with a lot of drugs and alcohol, which is not very helpful. Um, when you're in that state of mind. So I would say that probably I would have a year or two, but I don't even really remember. Um, I would have places where I've been before or people who I met, but I could not put it on a timeline in a sense of not even like if this was summer, winter, or like what month. Um, and then after when I got closer to the end, then I knew that things were just getting very messy and very ugly and in I would have to be with like 10 to 15 people a day, you know, like not that I didn't have drive to put makeup when I wasn't, I didn't even want it to live. Um, so then I knew that this is just not right. And, and I just started to look for like windows and, and, and opportunities when I can just leave and, and walk away. Were there other victims around you? And what was it like, if so, living with other women in the same situation as you possibly from the same country um there were other females around although like this is not really an environment where you can make friends if you know what I mean because yeah. you never never know who is going to report behind your back you never know who is against you or who are with you and and everyone is fighting for for survival, you know? So like if you and I meet like in a coffee shop environment and sit down and talk and have an amazing chit chat, you know, then I will be excited to see you again. But if, if we meet somewhere, you know, when I'm surviving and fighting for my life every second, you know, then I don't care who you are. I care that I want to get out alive. Was there physical violence by the people that were in charge of you? Um, Nothing, not heavy. I think it was more mental. Although there were times when, when I I get like slapped or like, like beaten, but nothing. It wasn't on the level where I would have to go to a hospital. There was a lot of sexual damage, though. 
like I remember times, you know, when I had to go to gynecologists, you know, like those those occasions I would remember and that happened more often than than physically heavily get beaten. And do you know if the people that trafficked you are still, did they get any? They're in jail. Yeah, they're in jail. That's good. What what happened with that situation? Do you know? Yeah. Um, kind of. I don't really know all the details, but I just know that there was the time when I was reading it in a new newspaper that they get arrested and deported. And um, for me, that was a huge help because it gave me a closure. But like today I work um, with other, other um, human trafficking survivors. And I know that not everyone was so lucky. And I know that a lot of times, you know, that the police doesn't even want to acknowledge that pain or that experience is. And, and some, sometimes people just get away with it so easy, you know? Um, so for me, it was a huge help to know that, that, okay, they are away and I don't have to worry about this anymore. Why do you think law enforcement turn a blind eye in some cases to, to this issue? I think it's a very complex and a complex issue to or complex crime to prove. And that's probably a big part because whenever an investigation starts or a police report, you know, from that that time on, they roughly need like three, four years, you know, to to get all the evidence, you know, to see, because this is not, not a kind of crime when, you know, you go into a store and you steal something because that's clear cut, you know? But here, like you're bringing in people, you have to get proof of it. You have to make sure that it doesn't happen only once who is trafficking, who, and then, you know, do a lot of surveillance. So it's not, it's not, it's kind of like, you know, fraud, you know, when, when you report a fraud at the FBI, for example, you know, FBI, that's by, uh, by their regulations, they don't have to tell you if they picked up on a case or not. So you as a victim, you're never going to find out if they did. Maybe 10 years later, when you watch it on American Greed, you know that they took off a whole ring, but under while they are under investigation, no one knows what's really happening. So I think that's 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 a part, and I think that in those areas where um, where a lot of um, poverty is happening, you know, then they have like bigger, not bigger issues, but like I don't even know how to explain this, like. If you go to New York City, for example, you know in certain bad areas, they have shootings, shootings every day. And then for them, that's a more instant crime to follow than someone who says that, hey, I was trafficked. Yeah. Do yeah, you, I don't know if that explains. Yeah. Do you think the Jeffrey Epstein, Prince Andrew, Ghislaine Maxwell cases have done anything to kind of bring the issue to light? I know that theirs was like a VIP sex trafficking ring but do you think it's helped to kind of shine light on this this very underground issue i absolutely think so and i think what was helpful well i don't think that those people got what they deserved because you know even though that that epstein and and maxwell they 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 get caught you know there were like so many high profile politicians involved in it who who never you know, they never had to count for what they did, you know, and it's just not right. But what this case shows very clearly, you know, that most most of sex trafficking, it actually, or not most of it, but a lot of it happens in within high profile people. And 
and they are not better than than average people or like us when it comes to this life. Arrest Prince Andrew. Sorry, it really grinds my gears. I want him to be held accountable. Just because you're royalty doesn't mean you can get away with that type yep. of stuff. Um, yeah. What was I going to say? Do you think there's going to be more high profile cases to come out in the future? Having spoken to other victims, I know you can't say for legal reasons, but is this a common occurrence where there are people in power? Have you heard any other stories? Um, I do talk to um, other victims because I also I work with them and I do a lot of interviews. I think that how this is going to bring into life is part of the Me Too movement. To, the, to some extent, and I think that um, a lot of men in power, I'm not saying all of them, because I've seen seen some very good and, and lovely male figures, you know, but a lot of them think that just because they have money, they can do whatever they want. And this is applicable to, to even um, public figures or like just regular people. So I believe that this is gonna be helpful for the future. Um, but I think that we are about to find out that that how how that's gonna go. I saw that you you spoke about sugar daddying and how that can be a keen to trafficking as well. Could you just, absolutely? Could you explain that to some of the young women listening who may see see sugar sugar daddying as very glamorous and they don't necessarily see the the dark side to it? Of course, yeah. I actually I really enjoy t- talking about this topic for the reason because you know I live down here in Miami and everything is about the luxury, you know. But there's and so then, sugar daddies down in Miami. I follow a couple of people that are always flying out there and they're yeah. about their sugar daddy lifestyle and their influencers. And they just, yeah, every weekend they're there and they glamorize it. And I think, isn't that a bit dangerous to, even if you're being flown out on a private jet um, or they're paying for your travel, you don't know what you're getting yourself into. And to have the money as a leverage it's kind of I just, yeah but you please explain it sorry I'm going off on a tangent <laughs> no I love it how you say it because uh yeah so I experienced this from first hand and then so this is um it is the funny thing what 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 happened with me you know that when I ran away from trafficking then after I had I in fact had a sugar daddy for like about a year and a half and and financially at that point I wasn't struggling, you know, and I had a lot of financial flexibility. But then then you just so disgusted from yourself every single day, you know, because you're not you genuinely you don't want to be in that relationship. You're still suffocating, and and it's not as much fun as it looks from outside. So then I'm looking at all these influencers today, um, or quote unquote influencers who are like flying in and out and I see what what they are doing you know and also TikTok and Instagram girls who are making the sugar daddy lifestyle funny it is absolutely not funny ultimately you are still exchanging sex for money it doesn't matter how you call it it is still the same thing so you know it's and it is funny to pick a bag in the Chanel store, you know, but I guarantee you it's not that funny when someone who is ugly, fat and disgusting and you don't want to talk to them and you have to sleep with them. Like, and, and that's not a part of what they would mention. So like now my question here that does that purse really worth you that much or does a post on Instagram worth you that much, then you are willing to sell your piece of your soul and your sexuality just for so cheap. And 
even the bigger issue what I see with it is, you know, that all of these girls who are traveling with the sugar daddies, they ha- they already have all the potential and all the tools to be at the business, to, to be at the company or to move on with their lifestyle. They don't need that. And that's not a fun, not like the cheapest thing what you can sell is sex and everything else comes after, you know, like your value, your work ethic, your your determination, your idea, your creativity, you know, all of those things were so much more than than selling sex. And with that being said, you know, these sugar daddies will never ever have a girl's life to put the life together because it's not in their best interest. So that's not a life what they are building that they just they just selling themselves for for no reason. Can you just to rewind a bit, thank you for that. Thanks for explaining. But I guess I kind of skipped ahead, but I would like to know about, if you could tell us about the day that you left, what happened that day and how did you escape? Um, I actually, I took a luggage and I, there was this girl with me in the apartment who was um, always watching that, what am I doing? And then what am I going? And then she was always reporting. So then um, there was an hour when she left. And I'm not sure what she went to do. But then after I was like, you know, like, that's my time to leave. Like, it's an hour never situation. Um, so then I did. And I, I got all my stuff. And then I went down to a T-Mobile store on the corner and then changed my phone number. And then um, I went to the bank and then looked my credit card or my uh, debit card. Um, and then I just found a hotel from that little bit of money, what I had at the time. And then that's where I stayed um, for a while. Were you scared that they were going to come and find you? Did they other, you know, see you out? Um, I don't know if I was scared or I was relieved, but it was like a combination of two. Um, and I, okay, I felt very weird, you know, that I could actually spend nights alone, you know, and, and I didn't have, I wasn't obligated to be sleeping with someone. Um, I was scared, I think, more about, like, what, what the future has for me than if they would come after. I definitely did not want them to find me, but anyone who, if you've been in New York, you know that that city is about 10 million people. It's not that easy to find someone. Did yeah. You, like, where, did you, where did you go for refuge? Who did you contact? What what services? Um, I did not actually. I had a friend in Las Vegas, so then I flew to Las Vegas and then I stayed with her. And that was also the time when I when I met with this guy uh who later became the sugar daddy. Um and and that's where I went. Um I didn't report to any services. And there was a day when I got arrested because I was an illegal immigrant at the time. I absolutely haven't had papers. So that was definitely a turning point because like, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, I hope you don't know, but like once when you're sitting with handcuffs in your hand, then you are reevaluating a lot of things in your life. Yes. Um, yeah. So that was definitely a turning point when I was just like, you know, sitting on the side of that bed and asking God that why is this happening to me? Um, but then, um, then we hired an attorney and then I didn't know that the United States actually does provide residency for human trafficking victims, um, when it's provable. And I had a lot of proof with all the communications. 
Uh, so then that's how I got my residency later on, which wow. was probably one of the biggest blessings because that also gave me a full scholarship um, in a private university. And, and that was really a turning point for me because once I had my residency, then I started to put my life together again. You know, I went back to school and I wanted to finish school. I went to get a job, like, I mean, a legal job. And, and once I felt like that I'm, I'm a regular average American, for me, that was probably the best feeling ever, you know, just to go to work, pay my house or have an apartment for my own. Like those were for me amazing. What did you choose to study? I started out on business, on business school, and I really, really enjoyed. And that's when I, I started to see a lot of, um, like when you study basic business, you know, then you start on um, um, understanding business in the way of things what happened to you. So then I was able to translate human trafficking to the language of business. You know, it's simply supply and demand, buyer and sellers, you know, it's very mm -hmm. simple business model. I was going to ask you, that comes on to my next question. You literally just hit it. Who were the type <laughs> of uh, men that were coming to you? Was it, was it men from all walks of life? Did they know that they were going to basically, I'm going to call it rape because that's what it is. They were going to rape a woman that was trafficked. Um, I don't know. So the way how the, they put on the advertising online, it was like that everyone was independent. That's what the advertisement said, but uh, nobody's independent. And, and these sex, sex services are illegal in the States. So they knew what they were doing. Like you can't not know it, you know, like if you go to eat and you live with a full stomach, then you know that you ate. Yeah. So did, yeah. did none of them... Did you ever try and tell any of them, listen, this is the situation I'm in? Or were you no, no, absolutely no, because a lot of times, especially at the beginning, um, they would tell me a lot of um that that these clients were their friends. Oh, um, you know, are they like regulars and they are coming back, you know? So I I didn't, and then there was a point when it really came to a point when I just thought that like, okay, well, that's what my life is going to be, you know, and I, I didn't even fight to get out anymore. They completely crushed you. Oh yeah. But I mean, I think that's it, the whole, whole thing. It's, it's, you know, it's very damaging for, for your mind. Yeah. I can imagine. I can yeah. imagine. For those listening, how can they spot a potential victim and if they come across a victim, what, what should they do to get help? How should they go about it? So I think that reporting is a big deal. And, and for everyone who, who is listening, I would just say that don't try to get involved. I know that everyone has a good intention, but you don't know if they are under surveillance. You don't know if a victim is ready to leave. The best thing what I can say is if you think you see a girl in a bar or someone who you suspect is in a bad situation, give them a, a point of, of reach, a phone number, an email address or something. When they're ready to leave, then they can reach and they can ask for help because some of these victims are not even ready to get out from their situation. I know that like when I was two years in, three years in, if someone would have come to me, hey, I know that what's happening to you is horrible, but I can save your life. I would have been like, yeah, get out because I wasn't there that to see that I want to leave. Um, but besides that, um, 
reporting is a big deal on especially on hotlines i don't know if in the uk you guys have these apps we do where you can we've got hotlines yeah we have legit applications you can download it in the apple from the apple store where you can take a picture and even take a picture of the hotel and then just report it through the app so nobody has to talk to anyone and that's just like very welcoming and usually um or very easy um for um, task forces to go after the the human trafficking victims and save them what are the ways that um people can make sure that they don't you know fall into the hands of traffickers could you explain the boyfriend trafficker at the job trafficker and the yeah the boyfriend trafficker and the job trafficker yeah those are the main two just so people yeah the yeah those are the main two and and um the boyfriend okay so the uh, how you call it this in human trafficking it's one of the provider like that's the one who comes to you with the job offer who tells you that they, they're gonna offer sec safety and security they then gonna tell you that like this is the best opportunity of your life and and it's most likely always gonna involve another city or another country because a main thing is that they will have to distance the person from their family and friends um so they have like you know uh, more power over that person so that's that's a big sign to pay attention to if someone offers a lot of money or or the if the offer is too good to be true then that should be a red flag immediately um doing research about companies and and make and most importantly even um uh, reading um employee reviews um that's also huge because whenever someone gets a job or a job offer for someone even though if it's a registered company if you go to pages like in the united states we have things like better business bureau you know or even um um a business review pages where where or trust pilot where where employees can review their employer so then you can literally see if they will pay you if they if they will treat the person right and and how how the um, experience of employment is going to be so um that's for for the labor trafficking and then for for sex trafficking that's a lot of time the the guy will pretend to be the boyfriend um which is very common because they try to go for the feelings um what a person didn't have or they give them the attention what they didn't get growing up um um so they will appear as a boyfriend and then they will they will say things like oh you would just have to do a quick favor for me or or they won't they do not want to be in like an exclusive relationship so it's not not going to be anything like the two person will have to be only with each other you know i think the misconception as well is that women are not can't be traffickers or be involved in the business somehow and yeah so I'd just like you to kind of dispel that <laughs> yeah so today you know like um i was doing this human trafficking training like about a year ago when i i i went into a lot of data and then um by today it's actually 70% of traffickers are females because because we naturally wouldn't suspect a woman hurting us or trying to hurt us while we would think that guys do yeah. so yeah so so many times a trafficker would even approach you as your girlfriend which just leads back to our sugar daddy topic you know that you meet a meet a chick 
who tells you that how glamorous the sugar daddy lifestyle is and then you will just have to do this and that and then she has a client for you she's just going to ask you for 20 percent, you know and that's already done mm. so there are many ways people can kind of fall prey to this without even absolutely what they're getting yeah. themselves, themselves into so I take it you've completed your degree. What are you doing now? Where are you at in your life now? How are you helping other victims? I'm graduating actually um, next um, um, spring and I'm graduating with creative advertising. So um, whatever comes down to really any creative um, ways of graphic design, photo video editing, you know, that's all or what I'm very familiar with. Um, although I started my social media a couple of years ago, and I think that it has a really good growth and a lot of people are reaching out for help. So that's why why I started to be at the brand Just Bettina, which is um, for human trafficking survival recovery and, and its main goal to have, have female victims to recover at their best and start believing them and empower them uh, to see that they have a future after human trafficking. And even though that was that was a sad experience to go through, they still have a lot of potential. Um, so just Bettina, it's, it's, it's been the brand and it's just being two years old, but I'm so happy because it's already doing a lot of um, human trafficking training. As I said, I do um, guest speaking on for companies or even for schools, sometimes for kids, and and also like um, speaking events. Amazing. Um, I was going to ask you, what are some of the ways that you kind of try to tackle your trauma from all of all of those years, everything that that happened to you? What what healthy ways did you? did you try and heal yourself just for those listening those that could have been a victim yeah. this, you know what what can they try to do I know therapy is fantastic for people but. therapy is fantastic yeah and then when I got away from trafficking then I started to go to the gym which is like that up until today so the gym had me you know like physical training that's that's had me so much with with alcohol and drug issues you know what I struggled with at the time and um then that was also what helped me understand you know that if I can perform in the gym then I will be able to perform in school so then I went back to school which helped me to be surrounded with 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 regular people you know with loving people with people who have families and and that was also very helpful then a couple of years ago I I, I just had this feeling that I would like to work my work on myself um, to be able to have healthy relationships. So then I decided to go back to uh, church. And then we have this amazing non-denominational church here, which is a super young crowd. And, and, and it's a very cool place to go to. So that became the part of my life too. And I think that all these things together was was very helpful for me to to support the best recovery what what possibly someone can do what are your 
your links where can people find you i feel like well i know you're on tiktok you know i am on tiktok yeah but my instagram is bigger is it Uh uh-huh yes (laughs) so if people want to reach out to you to message you you know um or to to contact you for interviews would you say instagram is the yes instagram is a good way to go or even my website which is just justbatina.com it's very simple and it also has a chat box which i see on my emails um and i also have a youtube channel that runs under the same name and my email address and and um my dms are always open and i think i'm i i'm really um engaging with mostly all of my followers who i possibly can and i love that because it's so many new perspective what they are bringing in so whoever is listening guys i would love to talk to you so please if you have something in your mind then just um text me and and shoot me a dm perfect thank you so much thank you for listening to the ebby online podcast please join me next week monday for a new guest and a new exciting topic if you enjoy the journalism that i create and the content that i pump out Please support me by rating my podcast on Spotify and iTunes.